Hi, this is Gavin from FE News. I'm here at UCL, the Institute of Education, to chat with a bunch of experts, leaders in their field around what is the future of um, education and work, to also unpack some of their interesting research projects to see what we can learn and how we can take the sector forward. I've got great pleasure of chatting with Paul Granger. Paul, can you explain your role at UCL? Yeah, I was. Um, I was. In, I used to be a college principal in Liverpool, um, and the college got merged. Um, and I was invited to come down here uh, to set up a centre, looking at what we in those days called post-compulsory education, which is education plus sixteen. Of course, we can't call it that now because, in theory, education is compulsory up to eighteen. So we're without a proper title. Um, but in academia, what we've done is adopted the international description of technical and vocational education and training. And in short, when I came here, the Institute of Education, as it was then, it was an independent university, um, it was very strong on primary education and everyone understood what it was. It was very strong on secondary education and everyone understood what it was. And I was charged with setting up a centre for post-compulsory education or TVET, which nobody really understood um, because it has so many ramifications. And because our politicians and policymakers being drawn largely from the middle class have not themselves experienced further education in a familial um, situation. But, on the other hand, more 16 to 18-year-olds are in further education than are in schools, and more people progress to university from further education than do from schools. So we've had a bad press, uh, and I'm very grateful to the Institute of Education that it's given me 14 years to beat the drum for further education and to put it more firmly on the map. And at the moment I'm on a winning streak because everyone realises with Brexit that we're going to have to generate our own skills, we can't just import them from Portugal anymore. And also internationally there is a much greater emphasis on the need for skills because it's skills which power the economy. We can't afford the luxury of everyone having purely academic degrees with no economic function tied to them. That, that, that's a luxury of an elite in Victorian times. So it, it, it's, further education is a sector whose time is come, but I think over the next 10 years there are going to be rocky patches as we avoid policy disasters and make sure that it does serve the needs of the economy um, rather than being seen as, as a, a sort of dumping ground for those young people that other institutions have failed with. You've mentioned international, and you've got quite an influential role in the G20. Yes. Um, so can you explain a bit more with what's going on with the G20? Um, in, I know you've been involved for a while, and there's a, an upcoming um, event like very soon, um, but also what the G20 is thinking around the fourth industrial revolution and the future of work, and what that means internationally and what can we learn? Right, well, the, the G20, um, and I'll be there next Thursday, uh, the G20 is an organisation which involves the 49 most wealthy countries in the world. They get the 20 by having 19 other countries and the uh, European Economic Union as one. So they're going to have to look for a new title uh, next year. Um, but that actually covers 80% of the world's population. And is a very useful forum. It has no power. It has no authority other 
than, than the power of influence. Um, but it's a very useful forum for coordinating international issues. And quite clearly, the major preoccupation for the last few years has been global warming and, and trying to coordinate an effort to come to some sort of agreement on um, global warming. But they've also looked at largely liberal issues such as the role of women in the workplace, um, the role of health, um, food security, those sort of things. My particular group, uh, the task force, which is looking at the future of work and how we plan education to supply the jobs of the future, not the jobs of the past. So that, for example, I have a problem with apprenticeships. I think they're a good thing in that they introduce young people to the workplace and they are work-based. It's not that trap of doing the theory first and the practice second, which never works. You need to do the two in tandem. But apprenticeships are essentially backward-looking. They look at the jobs that were done for the last 10, 20, 30 years. And we know with the what's called the fourth industrial revolution, one is steam, two is electricity, three is um, the use of computers, and then four is the impact of artificial intelligence. And we know that many of the jobs that you associate with oily rag training, car mechanics or typists um, or care workers, that, that much of that work is going to be automated. Therefore, it would be a folly in advanced countries such as Japan or UK to train people for jobs which we know will disappear. There are issues about the interim. We also know that it's unwise to try and look too far into the future. Um, so we're trying to look at what's happening at the present and interpret that. Because you never know what's going to come out in the future. I mean, we knew that computers were coming in the 90s, but no one foresaw the internet or the explosion of social media and all those things which so dominate our lives now. That came completely out of left field. So if, if anyone thinks they know what's going to happen in the future, they're wrong. I mean, who knew that Australia was going to catch fire? It, 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 it's something which you, you can't plan for because it's uninspected. And therefore, one of the ways into it is actually to train people, educate people in adapting to the unexpected. But what we know is that, that repetitive jobs, mechanical tasks, are running down rapidly. In Japan, for example, last year, um, the average age of people in Japan is 43. They know that there are going to not be enough young people to look after the elderly people in the future. But that's fine. They're devising machines which do much of the routine of caring. Machines that can clean, machines that, uh, that can cook, uh, machines that can do basic care, um, and also uh, machines which can provide some company. You know, you can have a conversation with Alexa. Um, so, so those sort of jobs will be running down. They won't disappear, but they'll, they'll be running down. What we do know is that creative jobs are very much on the rise. That creativity as a, as a, a, a human value is, is something which is on the rise for two reasons. One, that more people are liberated to be creative, and I think people enjoy being creative. But two, as the world gets more prosperous, more people have the time to engage in creative activities. And I'm using the word creativity in the broadest sense. I'm not talking about more Shakespeare. I'm talking about computer games. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about um, 
the way that um, women's football now gets prominence on TV as well as men's because people have got the time to go and watch both sorts of matches. And so, so we, we need to increase our, uh, our awareness of creativity. Um, we know, for example, that people who are trained in drama are better at getting jobs because they're taught things like eye contact, they're, they're taught how to present themselves, they're taught to be more articulate, and they're taught to interpret what the listener is, is, is responding to, the empathy thing. Um, and, and those will be the sort of skills which are needed to get the jobs of the future. Um, we also know that, that it, the human being will still retain a sense of purpose. So you can have the driverless car, which can convey you from one place to another safely. We know that's going to happen. What it doesn't do is give you a sense of purpose. You need the human to get into the car and say, let's go to the nag's head, um, to, to give it a sense of purpose. Otherwise, it's just driving safeless, safely but aimlessly uh, around the place. I, I shall believe in real artificial intelligence when I've got two computers squabbling on the back seat saying, are we nearly there yet? You know, we've, we've a long way to go. Um, before that. So artificial intelligence is not really frightening. It's just going to shift the emphasis from mechanical duties to more things of the brain and the personality. And, and therefore, TVET has to adapt to that with much more challenging, interactive, um, creative, um, uh, evaluative uh, activities, generating a, a sense of purpose. And we think that the nature of employment is also going to change. Um, you know, no longer do people knock on the door of the mill saying, you know, I've got a pair of hands, can you make use of them? Um, we know that there are um, gig workers. Uh, we know that people are working on platforms so that some people make their entire income from manipulating LinkedIn communicating with people, doing searches on LinkedIn, putting in keywords, finding people that would buy their product or buy their services. If you um, outlawed Facebook, which is very tempting, um, a lot of businesses would collapse because they actually operate through that platform. Um, we know that a, a lot of um, networking takes place. So if you take um, the, um, uh, the app industry, the, the, the mobile phone app industry, um, you need three sets of skills. You need a creative person who can pick up a novel app and how to make that um, attractive to people. You need a technical person who can instruct the machines to do these things and make it, and make it happen. And you need a marketing person who can get the message out there and bring you an income to recompense you for your work. But you only need those three skills. And in the north of the country, where they're often much more creative than, 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 than here in the south, um, you get lots of small firms starting up with just those three people getting together, producing a product, a, a, an app or a video or something of that sort, and then they're quite happy to disband, go down the coffee bar in Manchester, meet with another group and set off on another two-year project. So the nature of work itself will change. And again, that's a challenge to TVET to make people much more reliant in themselves, to think about self-employment rather than getting a job on a production line, um, to think about how you work with other people, looking not for people who are like yourself, but people who've got skills which are different to yourself, but compatible. 
developing those skills to the point where they're economically successful and, and, and send people out into hopefully successful careers. And what do we need to be thinking of in education and skills capacity to develop those foundation skills for those roles that don't exist yet? How do we develop an agile workforce? How do we develop a workforce that's encouraged to have stackable skills to move into those roles that don't exist yet or to have some things around creativity are more tricky to be able to teach than others. So what do we need to be looking to explore and address and shine a light on more than others? Well, the, the, the screamingly obvious thing about TVET is not to divorce theory and practice. Um, uh, most teachers come from an academic background where you stand on your hind legs for 40 minutes with an exposition and students note it down and then they say go and apply it. Well, that, that, that's not how children learn. That, that, that's not how we learn. Um, you, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're trying to teach maths and you're doing ratios without a gearbox in front of you, you've got a problem. If you've got a gearbox in front of you and that gearbox needs fixing, then you are much more likely to learn the maths fairly quickly. And I was once making a bomb with a group of, of students and they needed to produce a sphere in order to get an effective bomb. Um, and you've never seen fairly, fairly challenged students learn pi so quickly as when it was a useful instrument to help them get this sphere um, to, to get the, 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 practical, the, the practical output. Um, so the, the first thing to say is that, that we shouldn't be teaching a set of discrete skills from a theoretical aspect. So if, if, if you want to talk about creativity, then you should be setting a creative task. And people should be using that core task to get the the, the, the spin-off skills. Some people have called them soft skills, which is perhaps not the best of terms because they are going to be the survival skills of, of the future. Um, but, but if you, you, you get people to um, say they're going to go and produce a video, um, then they've got to work, they've got to learn collaboration. They've got to develop their sense of empathy to know what other people are thinking. Um, they've got to get the functional skills of holding the camera still and the acting skills of, 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 of conveying the message through shape and word. Um, but it's the doing. And because we don't know what the particular skills of the future will be, no one saw the internet, look how quickly we've learned to adapt to that. Um, then you talk, you, what you concentrate on are the fundamental human skills of um, self-starting, self-control, um, fitting in with other people around you, learning to collaborate. And then, when whatever new phase of technology comes along, I don't know, teleportation or something, um, you have the fundamental skills and you can focus on the very specifics of the new gizmo that's come along. How would you suggest we can help the workforce, individuals, learn to learn? Because we've, we're talking about foundational elements here to help people be ready for these roles. We don't know which direction it's going. Like you said, teleportation, or it could be, who knows? Um, how do we enable people to have those foundations so they can learn to learn? I, we have to take a long, hard look at how our productive industries are managed. Um, I've, I've focused on micro-businesses 
because those people, the people who are running micro-businesses, the, the people who are designing a new garment in Manchester, are learning those skills. They know that they've got to learn and they know they've got to be at the forefront of the technology all the time. But where you go back to the sort of larger organisations, there's still this dreadful inertia and this is the way we've always done things. And I go back to my initial comments about apprenticeships. And there is no incentive for people to, to learn because you, 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 you have this production line which... Um, you have this production line which has always been thus. And I'm not saying give people incentives necessarily in terms of cash, but in terms of recognition, and maybe even, dare we say it, praise, that, that people are encouraged to um, undertake a series of studies or to think about doing their job differently or to think about doing a job swap with someone at the other end of the, of the workplace for a while and, and, and so management has to we, we know that management has to have a culture of approval you, you can't do telling management anymore you have to do you have to do management which is in collaboration and, and we have to move that to the point where firms understand that in order to keep a workforce they have to develop that workforce's own capacity and which is in a way flipping the present pre prejudice, you know, if we train them, they're just going to get a job somewhere else. And um, we've got to flip that and say, actually, to retain your workforce, you've got to make them fuller human beings as part of their daily work ritual. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Why not click subscribe so you can be informed when the latest next individual podcast or podcast mini series from FE News are going to be released.